0: 18
1: plus and now
0: it's the rest stop brad restituto
2: three words for you you like that good evening it's the rest stop on this thursday january 21st thanks for dropping in brad restituto your host spencer the whiz alongside me Got a good show for you on this Thursday leading up to NFL Championship Sunday. uh, And we're only down to the final four before the two teams, one in each conference, represent their conference in the Super Bowl in Tampa this year. You're going to have the Green Bay Packers at home taking on Tampa Bay and the Kansas City Chiefs at home taking on the Buffalo Bills. So we'll break down those games in detail and tell you who we like to represent their conference in the Super Bowl. Lots of NBA action, and if you're a betting man like I am, you're uh, pretty disgusted in uh, late games tonight. More importantly, the Golden State Warriors, who have had two nice wins in a row at home against the New York Knicks, uh, who has had a pretty decent season. They pulled off two straight of their own, uh, but they're on the road, and all of a sudden the Knicks have become a scoring machine, and they're up by 13 heading into the fourth against Golden State. Draymond Green ejected in the first half of that game. I, God knows why. Uh, so it's just an extremely frustrating game to watch because I have them as a part of a three-team parlay, and one of those teams is already in, as I had the Lakers earlier tonight as they beat the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. A very nice performance from KCP, caldwell Pope. I believe he had six threes in that matchup. LeBron, AD, solid, of course, and really kind of pulled away, had a nice ending to the first half, and then was consistent in the second half, and the Lakers continue to roll. Uh, So a lot of basketball talk as well. Uh, Joining me as always, Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, jump in here as I as we get into NBA. But first, uh, if you miss any part of the live broadcast, download the Twitch app. uh, Follow us under Landry Football, the rest stop under there. But you can check out the audio podcast version of the show anytime on your way home from work, on your way to work, before bed. Just search Landry Football Conference Call on Spotify, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and the rest stop will be underneath there. We are with you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Spence, I want to start off in the NBA before we hit football talk and the Washington Wizards. It's six games now that have been postponed, canceled due to COVID. We've had two delays in tonight's games for postponements. What the hell is going on in the NBA? What's happening with the Wizards? Is the whole team and coaching staff having an outbreak of COVID? What's going on with the Wizards and what's going on in the NBA right now, now that we don't have the bubble and teams are representing their home cities and states and doing the travel like they do in the NBA? What's happening with the Wizards and what's happening with the NBA?
1: Yeah, the NBA just wasn't prepared for the season. I mean, they had Honestly, they didn't have a lot of time, let's be honest. I think NFL had the longest time to kind of prepare for theirs and they're having a really successful season given all the circumstances. Really, the only bleak point throughout the the entire season was the Steelers having to, you know, throw so many games around and then the Broncos game. But outside of that, everything was pretty par for the course when it comes to an NFL season. The NBA, like I said before the season started, has completely different circumstances. They do not have weeks between games that they can kind of fix things. They also have much larger rosters, meaning guys are going to be much farther separated away from each other. We're talking about five guys starting playing against the five guys on the bench. There's no practice squad or anything like that. If one guy gets it, a whole bunch of them are going to as well. Uh, and it's just been a case for the Wizards, who have about 11 positive cases now. And again, once you contain it, then you have the two weeks of quarantining once it's done with. So I have no idea what the Wizards specifically are going to do. Now, there have been other cancellations. The Grizzlies just postponed the next three games that they have on their schedule. So they're kind of the, the second biggest candidate next to the Wizards when it comes to all this stuff. But. The NBA is doing okay, but what they should have done is what they did exactly in the NHL, which is have divisional series where guys are geolocated very close to each other and you play long series. NHL, I think, has had like one cancellation so far. But other than that, these guys aren't traveling between cities and, uh, you know, making a ruckus. The other part of this is NBA players. We saw James Harden. We saw Kyrie Irving. But those are because those are two popular figureheads. We're not even talking about the guys who, I mean, if you're an NBA player, you're famous automatically, but not every NBA player is to the level of those guys. These guys do not care about the rules. We see it time and time again when they get pulled over by the police, the Instagram videos. They make so much money. People treat them differently, so they act differently. They don't think the rules apply to them. We're seeing that tenfold. How the NFL has been able to do it, I'm not sure. I think, again, I don't know. I mean, we had individual guys, but like I said, like if the QB gets it, he's probably not going to be touching the defensive backs all that much. So they're a little more safe in that sense. Can't do it in basketball. Spence, talk about the Grizzlies. What's
2: going on there with the three games? Are, are there more positive tests within the Grizzlies franchise roster? What's going on with Memphis? And and is that related to Washington at all? Did they play each other? Did they come in contact? Or is this all something separate?
1: Yeah, I think this is the result of Memphis being such a literal small market that there isn't as much media coverage on them because, yes, they have uh, declared that the next three games are out because of contact tracing, but not a single name has come out from that list of players uh, that uh, tested positive for COVID-19. So as of right now, there is no COVID-19 outbreak. It's It may just be contact tracing alone, and they don't know if these guys have positive tests just quite yet. It's been a really weird season when it comes to reporting for Memphis. Jonas Valanciunas was taken out in the middle of the game for health and safety protocols, came back the next day, didn't have COVID-19, I'm not sure what's going on. And again, we're seeing the same case here. Now the Grizzlies just don't have enough players to play. All I can say is of right now, nobody on the Grizzlies have COVID-19, but they're not playing games for the near future.
2: Spence, before we talk about some of tonight's NBA action, let's go to last night's card because it was the first time that the Cavs faced off against the Brooklyn Nets with some of the former Nets players, more importantly, Jared Allen and Torian Prince in the lineup for Cleveland, in Cleveland. And then the first game with Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden all on the floor at the same time ended up being a loss for the Nets. And this game went into overtime and the star was Colin Sexton in overtime as he went off for a total last night of 42 points, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, So Kyrie's debut back in the debut of the trio fall short great performance by Sexton and the Cavs Spence tell us what you saw in that one and uh, look we talked about Cleveland at the beginning of the year they got off to a heart's hot start they cooled off a little bit but this is a really big win and I kind of like the addition of Allen and Prince to this roster They've they've got some players now
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of J.B. Bickerstaff. He, of course, was the only reason I know so much about him. He was the interim coach for the Grizzlies. I don't know everything about every interim coach in the league. I I wish I did, but I just don't. But uh, he's very well-spirited. He knows how to connect with young players. That's always been the best thing. The X's and O's are probably the worst part when it comes to his game. But he hasn't had a ton of head coaching experience. He's been the interim head coach twice, and neither of those times did he get the head coaching job. So this is his first full-time position. And clearly he has these guys engaged. The secret hero of this team is Larry Nance Jr. Uh, He's extended his range. He's hitting threes now fairly consistently from what I've seen, at least in the three games I've watched the Cavs this season. But yes, the big story was Colin Sexton. Uh, I had the uh, Nets money line in this game, so I was a little heartbroken. But at the uh, end of regulation, or I think it was the uh, first overtime, Colin Sexton just hit uh, a massive three to tie the game. I think that was to go into overtime. Uh, And after that, I think he scored 20 straight points for the Cavaliers. Uh, So, I mean, the the ultimate question is, is this the Nets defense we're going to see with the three-headed monster of Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant? We already talked about how neither of those guys are ball stoppers. So their matchups that are going to be worse for them are the ones where they're guard dominant. So the Trailblazers, uh, who they probably won't face all too often. I mean, they're pretty lucky when it comes to the East, where I can't think of anyone who's has just like this monstrous the Miami heat. They would probably definitely get dominated in the Boston Celtics would be another one. Uh, but outside of those two teams, they might be able to play it safe, uh, but it's not going to be perfect. This whole season is not going to be, but do I expect everyone to have a career game against them? No, I don't expect that either. They probably should have won.
2: Spence also last night, a big matchup between Eastern conference powerhouses, the Boston Celtics, and the Philadelphia 76ers Joel and B8 had 42 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. The Sixers are 10 and 5 on the season, 8 and 1 at home with Doc Rivers leading the charge for Philadelphia. What does the Sixers need to do to put up a fight in the Eastern Conference and maybe be back in that conversation to represent the East in the finals? I mean, if it weren't for five rolls 2 years ago by Kawhi Leonard's three, it might have been the Sixers that were in the finals. Um, as opposed to Toronto against Golden State a few years ago. What do the Sixers need to do to be back in that conversation?
1: Well, technically, they already are. They have a championship experience coach. Uh, it all comes down to Ben Simmons, all things considered. Joel Embiid's having a MVP-level season. He's not going to win the MVP, but definitely within the top five as of right now. And I think he can play that consistently, as long as he can keep his conditioning up. You know, It always seems that he's just too exhausted by the time the playoffs are around. But with a healthy Ben Simmons, obviously, he's going to be a little more rejuvenated. He's not going to have to so much pressure on him. But yeah, I just mentioned Ben Simmons. This is a guy who came in the league with a special skill set. And unfortunately, he has not dedicated himself at all to progressing the parts of his game that are just not up to par. It seems to work. I mean, they're winning basketball games right now. And I think they had a few COVID issues, which uh kind of help them or did not help them and they got a few losses but when their team is fully healthy they can beat any team in the league defensively we all know they have it all together ben simmons is one of the most talented guard forwards we know in the league but until he's ready to shoot just a little bit nothing much i mean even if we had a mid-range game i think we're talking about a completely different player um this is a guy with the athletic skill set close to lebron he has the iq close to him too but without him having the love for the game so much as to create shots for himself, they're going to be stuck in the mud. They're going to end up in the conference finals a whole bunch of times, but I don't see them getting to the promised land this year or next, unless he makes some changes.
2: Spence, another game last night that is kind of interesting because this team isn't being talked about too much at this point in the season. And I would say quietly or 11 and four, the LA Clippers, they get a 115 96 victory Over the Kings last night, Kawhi Leonard goes for 32 and five assists. What possibly can we say the Clippers learned from last year's disappointing exit in the bubble? And I feel like they are going to be in better position uh, to really challenge the Lakers towards the end of the season. I think a team like Denver, like Dallas, is not going to knock off the Clippers this year. I'm more convinced this year than previous years that, barring injury... It's going to be a collision course in the Western Conference Finals between the Clippers and the Lakers, Spence.
1: Well, yes, but and, and to me, Nicholas Batum was the most underrated signing of the entire offseason. It's not the flashiest, but this is a guy who is a legit contributor at the three spot. His corner three is absolutely ridiculous, something they've really needed. I, I think they had uh, made that trade with the Knicks last year uh, with Morris, but he honestly didn't pan out all too well. I know they re-signed him to a pretty fat deal. They got Luke Kennard. But when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, they're going to be successful. They have Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he's going to carry your team to a certain extent. They're not going to get bounced in the first round or even the second. So, most likely, it will come down to the conference finals. But at the end of the day, they still do not have a center. They did not address that issue at all. And they got killed by the center position. And we saw how influential the the big man was in last year's playoff. It's not going to change this year either. Zubats cannot guard Jokic, he cannot guard certainly Anthony Davis. They're going to have the same exact issues, and it's going to be the reason they lose in the playoffs, in my opinion.
2: Spence, tonight, primetime game. Uh, if you're here on the West Coast, uh, it was block, block, blacked out on TNT. I cannot get the Lakers-Milwaukee Bucks, As both teams have dropped games here recently, the Lakers went on the road to play Milwaukee. A very nice end to the first half in the second quarter by the Lakers outscored Milwaukee 34-24. They end up winning the game 113-106 tonight, the Lakers did. Contavious Caldwell-Pope had 23 points. He was 7 of 10 from 3. Uh, Nice job. LeBron hit a big 3 late in that game. He had 34 points total. The Lakers get a nice victory over Milwaukee and bounce back. And the the Lakers, even though there's no fans, they're 8-0 on the road, Spence. The Lakers, we thought in the beginning of the year, they may have a little bit of trouble, a little bit of a championship hangover. That has not been the case thus far. Spence, we lost you there for a second, so hopefully you'll be back here in a second. But uh, more about this Lakers-Bucks game. The Milwaukee Bucks, I, I don't know if they have quite the championship pedigree uh, that we're looking for or expecting to come out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, they, they certainly are a great regular season team, but come playoff time, they just have not stepped up to the plate And the Giannis Antetokounmpo era, they have not. They have not been to the finals since he's been there. Uh, So I'm not really sure what they need to do to get over the hump. I love the addition of Drew Holiday, their point guard. I think he is uh, a guy that's going to get them uh, possibly to that next level. I think he's that good defensively. I think he's that good offensively and as a facilitator. But I I just – it's hard to be convinced that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to challenge anybody for a title. And if that's the case and Giannis goes two, three, four, five more years with no title, uh, I mean, what what is he going to be looked at as a multiple-time MVP, Spence?
1: It's a little bit of a joke. Uh, Not a joke. I mean, he is a very talented player. Again, he's someone very similar to Ben Simmons to me. I think he's a little more dedicated to his craft than Ben is. But still, he keeps that mentality, and I just don't think he wants to live up to the moment. He likes being the symbol for this franchise, but I think he would prefer someone else to take that final shot. Now, that person should be Chris Middleton. It's just not. It hasn't been in the playoffs. When they need him the most, he hasn't been able to elevate his game. Now, I think they had a playoff game without him, and Chris Middleton did kind of make that big leap forward. But when it comes to the biggest series in the in the playoffs, they lost to the 76ers, and last year they lost again – It starts and stops with Giannis playing above it. When you see LeBron James make that three at the end of the game, it's ridiculous. He should not be making that shot. It's the shot you want him to take, but he makes it because that's how he elevates himself beyond the means of the game. Giannis has yet to do that in his career and I still don't see it in him. I don't see that extra layer above where he just does something that you don't expect.
2: I agree with you, Spence and, Look, the Lakers, like I said, I'm surprised that there's been a few games this year that they haven't gone through the motions. They have been very consistent thus far in the season after coming off the championship. And there's going to be times in the middle or late in the season where they, sh- they should be able to rest guys, especially if they get out to uh, continue to play as good as they're playing and a 13 and four record undefeated on the road. That's fantastic. And it doesn't necessarily seem like Le- LeBron's overexerting himself. Uh, the complimentary guys are doing a really good job. Uh, the Montrez Harrell acquisition is enormous as far as I'm concerned. It's that guy off the bench is fantastic. He's an energy guy. He can score, he can rebound, he can defend. He's really, I love him with the Clippers. He's doing just the same in a Lakers uniform and Look, I, I wasn't convinced last year, and the Lakers got it done, but they have made me believers this year, especially with their acquisitions, playing solid minutes and playing an important role. And, and the Lakers, it doesn't seem like there's a contender to them at this point in the year that you're like, ah, yeah, I think that they can give them a run in a seven-game series. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and the unsung hero of this all, and I'm sure you just talked about it, was is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. This is a guy who was a bit of a joke for a long time on the Lakers, but we can't have that conversation forever. Eventually, this guy is a legitimate option for the the team. I mean, today he had a massive game. He hit that huge shot against the Heat in that corner three in the finals. So he knows he can be there for the big moments. He seems to be playing a lot more consistently. He might be in for a decent contract once LeBron James leaves and retires. I think he could go somewhere and make a few bucks. I'm not sure, but... Uh, everyone else on the team just knows their roles so well, and it's just a testament to LeBron's greatness. It's one of the reasons I think he is one of the greatest players of all time. You don't really hear guys talking behind LeBron's back outside of Kyrie, but we know is in a good teammate, period. So that's not really an argument you can make, I don't think. So his the guys love playing for him. He seems to find ways to keep it fresh and exciting, especially for even the deepest role players. Uh, he exuberates greatness. He, he leads this team. They should have went out to a sluggish start just like everybody else did who made uh, late runs in the playoffs, but they're finding a way to keep it all together and look like the greatest team in the NBA once again.
2: Spence, wrapping up the NBA talk, you mentioned the Miami Heat. They represented the Eastern Conference in the finals last year. What's going on with the Heat this year? They're not off to a blazing start. I mean, what do you see from them? Uh, Are... Are they a team that can get hot? We know that they've got some fantastic shooters. Jimmy Butler's kind of been in and out of the lineup. Talk about the Heat, what you've seen so far this year, and then come playoff time, uh, what the Heat need to do to be in the conversation.
1: Well, I just think they're way too confident going to the season. Jimmy Butler said, just wait and see. Really cocky. The guy who's supposed to be the leader on the team, and he is. But the issue is he's only taking like 13 shots a game. So when he tells everyone to watch out, first of all, think about how, who they had to go through. In the Eastern Conference to make it to the finals. Very proud franchises, team with high expectations. They put a target on their back, and then Jimmy Butler in the offseason just solidified it. Everybody's coming for them because they should not have been in the finals last year, and they did not humble them in the slightest bit. They are the most confident team in the league going in, and they're getting crushed right now. So uh, hopefully, this is a humbling experience for them. Not that I really care, I don't really care about the Heat, but. You know, for their franchise, hopefully, I- I'm guessing they want to just kind of forget everything that happened last season. Look forward just to the next game, not to the finals. They already had their binoculars on the end goal when they got a long way to go before they get there. They got to worry about making the playoffs as of right now. I think they got a victory yesterday, as they should have. But um, they're going to end up playing okay. They're they're not going to be in the top three seeds. They're probably going to be four or five. Uh, but they still will be a threat in the playoffs when you just have so many scoring options on the perimeter for an Eastern Conference that just doesn't have a lot of bigs that are dominating like they are in the West Coast. They're going to have the ability to make their way through because Bam bio might be the best big over in the East outside of Joel Embiid, of course.
2: That's Spencer The Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer The Wiz. Uh, Spence. Let's get into the NFL discussion and before we talk about Championship Sunday, let's talk about some news coming down in the NFL as the coaching carousel has almost completed the Philadelphia Eagles and kind of a surprise move is Josh McDaniels 24 hours ago was the hot uh, prospect to be the next Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, 39-year-old offensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts under Frank Wright is now the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. What does that mean for Carson Wentz's future? I'm not exactly sure, but apparently Sirianni had a fantastic interview and they didn't want to let him out of there without being the head coach. And I'm not really sure how Eagles fans feel spent. I mean, what are your thoughts on this hire? This is not a name that was circling around the NFL coaching carousel when we're talking about positions being filled this year. Eric bien is still without a head coaching job, and there's only one position left, and that's the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, he must have interviewed like so well. He must have planned out the entire season and laid it out in front of him or something because the offseason hasn't started. Eric Bieniemy is the hottest you know, head coach out there right now, and he's still playing in the playoffs, so they're going to have to wait till the offseason. You think you'd wait because imagine they haven't heard the interview from Eric Bieniemy yet, of course, because he's still in the playoffs. You can't interview coaches during that time. So why not just wait to see what he says? The Eagles just did win a Super Bowl. They are a very proud franchise. It's not like it's a horrible destination to go to. It's a little disgruntled now, but you got to imagine if you can get the locker room revigor, you know, invigorated again and everything like that. They they probably have a decent time. So I'm not really sure. I understand uh, what's going on on that side of things. Uh, but if they hey, if the guy you know made the right Said the right words and they thought that he was just going to be one of the hottest head coaches going into the off season. And they thought if he goes anywhere else, they're going to get signed there. Then they made the right choice. We'll see. It'll wait. We'll have to wait for the NFL season. I'm not here to say whether it's a great or bad move. I just don't know enough about him yet, but clearly they were impressed.
2: Exactly. And uh, Brian Bravo mentioned it here in the chat. Gary Kubiak, Vikings offensive coordinator, former quarterback in the NFL, backed up John Elway for many years in Denver and was an assistant with Denver when they won a championship here in the last few years, in the last decade. He will retire from the NFL. Uh, The Vikings may go internally. Gary's son, Clint Kubiak, could take over the offensive play calling duties in Minnesota. That'll be the sixth offensive coordinator in as many years for the Vikings. So not a lot of stability from that position, uh, even though the Vikings offense did have a lot of success this past season. Some more news, Spence, Phillip Rivers after uh, glorious, I believe, 17 seasons in the NFL uh, is going to call it a career. Uh, Phillip Rivers, look, he, he had an opportunity to get the Colts a playoff victory. It was just not meant to be as they lost to the Buffalo Bills, but a nice season from Indianapolis. They're going to look to fill that position, but really quick on Rivers—is he a Hall of Famer in your opinion? And if not, why? And if yes, is he first ballot? Uh, Philip Rivers, no titles, no Super Bowl appearances, but but quite the Iron Man throughout his career.
1: Well, I grew up my entire life watching Philip Rivers for the most part since I started watching football as a Raiders fan growing up, of course uh the one thing i knew was kind of my inception totem i think they call it where you know you're in reality is uh philip Rivers down by a score with two minutes left to go in the football game i always seem to find himself in those uh, late game situations always through an interception that seemed like at least half of the time to end the game uh he's just not a hall of famer to me he's one of the guys who will find his way in the booth at some point a guy who left a lot on the field to be desired. You got to win at least a few playoff games in my mind. It's not like he had over the top stats, just always solid. Uh, he'll be remembered forever as a Chargers quarterback and they will probably maybe retire his Jersey for how much time he put in there, but uh, he's certainly not going to be first ballot. And is a guy like Eli going to get in over him, if he does make the hall of fame, absolutely. Is Matt Ryan even have a better career than Philip rivers? I say yes to that as well.
2: Wow. A strong take there, Spencer, the Wiz, And uh, that's, that it is an interesting question. Phillip rivers, um, not a lot of marquee playoff victories. And before he does possibly go to the booth, he is going to be stepping away and he will be a high school football coach in the state of Alabama. uh, Right away is, is the word that I'm hearing after his post football career. And he has uh, a gaggle of children uh, that he will be raising as well. I think he's got over six or seven kids, so we'll see if he watches some of their football career as well. But a nice career for Phillip Rivers. We can debate whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, but certainly you've got to be proud of 17-plus years in the league at that position. Um, even if he's not a first-ballet Hall of Famer, I think he does get in spent, to my opinion, at some point. Uh, the guy is is certainly one of the most durable Uh, recognized quarterbacks of his generation, and he deserves a lot of credit. A little bit of a hand clap for Phillip Rivers, a great career from him, and uh, farewell to Phillip Rivers. He spent 16 of those seasons with the Chargers and only one with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Spence, before we hit Championship Sunday, a, a little bit more NFL news. Dwayne Haskins has found himself a job, and it's quite an interesting one and I think could be a good fit. Dwayne Haskins has been signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Does this mean that the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking to move on? And we've seen Ben Roethlisberger call it a career, just like maybe Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. Is Ben Roethlisberger the next to announce his retirement? Now that Dwayne Haskins will be a Pittsburgh
1: Steeler. No, I think what they're what they're planning. And now I thought they'd maybe go aggressive for a quarterback here in the off season. Now I'm just not buying it. Uh, this is kind of the placeholder. The, what they're going to try to sell to fans of the team is this is the guy who's going to back up Big Ben next year. He's going to be, you know, he's going to learn a full year behind him. They'll probably be good next year and then lose again in the playoffs just because Big Ben's body is not made for it. <laughs> would, would they start the first eight games with Dwayne Haskins and then just put in Ben Roethlisberger so he's a little more, you know, uh, ready for the playoffs? I don't think so. Uh, but the thing with Dwayne Haskins that I talked about this with my dad is it's not like he played well when he was in he never really had too many good games or at least a string of good games and certainly at the end of his career he was just one of the worst quarterbacks in the league straight up so I don't really know where the excitement comes from it's literally just because he was a high draft pick and he's young that's why they picked him up not because they saw anything out of him they're picking up completely off of college game tape and potential. This is essentially a new rookie season for him, at least from the Steelers' standpoint.
2: Well, we know that the Steelers in the draft may be looking to upgrade at a few positions. Their running game was not uh, very exciting, especially in important games down the stretch. I I think we can agree that we like some of their weapons on the outside um, with Claypool and company. I I certainly don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to come in and start a bunch of games, even if Ben Roethlisberger does retire or the Steelers do move on from him, I think Haskins is going to have to earn a spot on that roster. I I would rather have him in the game personally than Mason Rudolph and some of the other backups that they've had down the road. But it could be a good fit with Mike Tomlin and the culture of the Steelers. Uh, But in my opinion, Spence, and you know how I feel about this, I think the Steelers have been an overrated franchise for – Uh, the good portion of five to eight years. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to get back on track. Dwayne Haskins is not the guy that's going to get them back to Super Bowl glory. I do think they need a franchise quarterback. I think Big Ben's days, best days are behind him. But as we're talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks with guys like you mentioned, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, where does Ben Roethlisberger rank all time? And is he a Hall of Famer in your opinion? Matt Ryan? Ben Roethlisberger.
1: Of course. He's of course a a hall of famer. He's a first ballot hall of famer. He's led the team. He was the reason that they won those two super Bowls. So he's got to get all the credit in the world for it. Yeah. I don't think this is even a discussion to me.
2: Wow. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that I completely agree with that, but uh, he's had a few good years, but I, I definitely think a lot of those successful seasons had more to do with the pieces around him than with him in particular, but uh you make a good point, and Ben has a lot of followers out there that think the Super Bowl victories had a lot to do with him. And and you know, I I personally think Eli should be a little bit higher on the totem pole than Big Ben with the, the two Super Bowl victories that he had against an undefeated Patriots team and another Patriots team that hadn't been knocked off by anybody else but Eli and the Giants. So but that's a discussion possibly for another day, Spencer the Wiz. But let's go ahead and get into it, Spence. Championship Sunday in the NFL. We're down to the final four teams, and let's start it off in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills travel to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. All of the reports are saying it is trending towards Pat Mahomes playing in this title game. It looks like the some in most places the Chiefs are a three point favorite. They may be three and a half somewhere. I think this could be time, man. I think this could be time for the Buffalo Bills to spring the upset and to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Mahomes at the quarterback position. We know what they can do offensively. They can score on the drop of a dime, and they can score on and against anybody. But they have still yet to cover a game since November 1st, Spence. They've teetered on the brink of disaster multiple times and got through it this could be the time we've seen the Buffalo Bills defense make key plays and key moments. And if they can have a little balance offensively, like we discussed and all Josh Allen has to do is get a little bit hot. uh, We could have a a classic on our hands come Sunday between the bills and the Kansas city chiefs.
1: And he should be able to get to get hot. The chiefs are not ball stoppers at all, especially in the secondary Stefan Diggs should have an absolute field day. And, but they do have to be willing to change things up because if Andy will smell blood, if they just start going 10 passes in a row, let's say, or even I think they should, if the bills were smart, because I think they can have a successful run game. We just don't see it very often. If they come out with like five straight runs, six straight runs instead of the play action that could carry the momentum for the entire rest of the game. And Pat Mahomes, you know, he may, be playing but we don't know how healthy he is he's going to be out there because he's one of the best competitors in football without a doubt he's one of the best quarterbacks as well we know that but he's going to go out there because it's unless they literally like bar him from playing because of concussion protocols Uh, but it never looked like I don't know when I saw the play it certainly it was nothing close to what Lamar Jackson when you see his head literally bounce off of the ground the other issue is his foot injury. We know the, the big storyline has been this concussion, but he was uh, you know, not looking so great too. So if he had, loses a little bit of mobility, it's not like this Bill's defense is a pushover. They should be able to contain at least a little bit. And I say that, and of course the Chiefs you know, always have the ability to just go nuclear at any given moment. So we'll see if they're able to do that. This could be one of the highest scoring uh, games of the playoffs. And you're right. I think it could be one of the great classics. Uh, when it comes to this year, maybe even beyond looking forward.
2: Well, Spence, we talk about with the Buffalo Bills being balanced offensively, and they've yet to do that by running the football. And you would think if anybody deserved to be unbalanced, it would be the Chiefs with the talent that they have in the passing game. But they are a balanced team, and that helped them secure a Super Bowl victory last year. They went and drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round, a running back. We don't know how his health is, but Andy Reid in the Chiefs' offense has been very well balanced. And I think if they're going to be successful, they're going to want to be balanced again this week, especially with Mahomes possibly not being 100%. Clyde Edwards-Alaire questionable for the game if he could play. Uh, Le'Veon Bell hasn't done too much since he became a Chief. Damian Williams, uh, who was important in the Super Bowl victory last year, So let's talk about the Chiefs' running game a little bit, Spence. Their balance has really helped them become a Super Bowl champion, and now in the discussion for uh, hopefully a repeat if you're a Chiefs fan or player. And the Chiefs, if they weren't as balanced as they have been, I think they certainly have a few more losses on their record. But this is a team that is very well coached, I I like some of the Bills coaching, but I've said it for weeks now, Spence, that I think that they need to have a little more balance. And this is, of course, the biggest game of the season. Only one more game. This is that game before you get to the Super Bowl. Everything's on the line. You've got to really play some of your best football at this point, Buffalo has not, they've gotten by, uh, playing decent football at times, but certainly not their best game. They've played really well at the end of the regular season, but in the playoffs, they've left a little bit to be desired. I think in this game with the coaching experience of Andy Reed in these situations, the bills can't just play an average game and hope to win. They're going to have to be on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, there is no ego when it comes to the Chiefs locker room. I think that's probably the most important part about all of this. He does not care who's in a quarterback, who's the running back. He's going to put these guys in a successful place. He's going to call plays that he feels makes his team the most successful. Uh, and that's exactly what he's done. I mean, calling going for it on that fourth down just speaks to him and that he let Chad Henney call this play, or not call the play, but you know, run it and run it with a little bit of confidence. Uh, and that I think he just exudes confidence to every single player. And that's how you see guys like uh, Damian that you just talked about make those big plays in the Super Bowl because he he gives them the confidence uh, to play above their means. And you're asking a lot of the Bills' head coaching staff or their coaching staff in, in, in general. You know, when it gets this late in the playoffs, a lot of it is just chess. Uh, well, hopefully they're not playing checkers because – They're going to have to call a perfect game plan and just not knowing how healthy Pat Mahomes is makes things very difficult because uh, you know, where to play defenses and where you think he's going to go, how heavy are they going to rely on the run game? Probably quite a bit uh, being that Pat Mahomes at the very least we can say is not hundred percent. So I don't think they're going to go out slinging the rock and the balance, you know, pass and run game may benefit the chiefs, but they're going to have to make some important stops because The Bills, while they haven't played their best football, they did go through two very good defensive teams. The Colts, we know that was their identity. And then, um, you know, last week uh, against the Ravens, also just not a pushover when it comes defensively. Now, their front line isn't the greatest, but they attacked their, their secondary, maybe, you know, not to their benefit, but still knowing that they have the ability to win games against good secondaries is a good sign for the Bills and, you know, certainly trends towards them having a chance to win this game without a doubt.
2: You can argue that the defenses that Buffalo has faced up to this point are better than Kansas City's defense, and that's going to be important. And I think another key thing uh, that, that I'm going to be paying attention to, these teams met in week six, and of course, they're both a little bit different than they were you know, over 13 weeks ago. Kansas City won that matchup in Buffalo. But I like Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of Buffalo, his ability to come back and see where they maybe had some mistakes and to be better and to improve on those mistakes. So I'm looking – for the defensive scheme and the defensive focus of the Buffalo Bills to be a lot better than it was in that loss earlier in the season where where the Kansas City Chiefs ran the ball for over 150 yards and were the more balanced football team. So again, and I know I'm beating, beating the drum here on balance for Buffalo, but I think it's going to be crucial in this game. They were fortunate in the wind environment to get away uh, with – only having to score 17 points. But I I, I promise you, Spence, 17 points is not going to be enough to beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. So the Buffalo Bills are going to have to be more balanced in this game, and I think they're going to have a better effort defensively, but I don't think that they hold Kansas City to 17 points. But I do think this is going to be a very good game, a well-coached game. The little things are going to matter, and they always do in these moments. Clock management, timeout situation, um, you know – Silly mistakes, key red zone penalties, false starts, all of those things. Josh Allen and his career has been perfect in the red zone as far as not turning the ball over. Can he continue that? We've seen Buffalo have uh, created turnovers from their defense in the red zone. They did it on Lamar Jackson. This is going to be a really interesting game. I'm excited to watch it. So, Spence, let's pick the games against the spread. Let's pick this one. I'll let you start it off. Kansas City, a three-point favorite in this one at home. Who are you taking against the line?
1: Yeah, and I think we've both been, I think, perfect in the playoffs, or I think I missed one game in the first round. So I feel a little bit of pressure here. Perfect. What's that?
2: I think we were both perfect last week, if I'm not mistaken. I think we were both
1: 4-0. Yeah, so it feels a little bit of pressure to keep it going. I just can't bet against Andy Reid, as much as I want to in my heart, they're just probably going to win this football game. They just seem... I don't know, but they've seemed so lazy this year. It doesn't feel like they have the same energy around the team. I need a reason to bet against the Chiefs, and I just don't have one. I know it's a short line here, but I think this is either going to be a push or they're just going to win the game outright.
2: There you go, Spencer the Wiz on Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Spence, I'm going to go opposite, man, and I just think that this, this is the year for the Bills. I think Josh Allen is going to continue – to play at a high level, and I think the adjustments from defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier will be just enough, along with Patrick Mahomes maybe not being his complete healthy self. Uh, They're going to need a flawless performance if Mahomes isn't 100% from the cast of characters like Kelsey, like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins if he plays, Hardman, the running game, Uh, and I think Josh Allen does all he can do, and I think Brian Dable finally has a little balance, and it's just enough. And I, in Spence, I trust the Buffalo Bills kicker much more than I do Harrison Buckter. Uh, Bass from Buffalo has been very consistent over this year, he's a rookie. Garrison Buckner has been the epitome of inconsistency, missing extra points in the regular season, in the postseason, important field goals. This guy could cost them the game this Sunday, the Chiefs kicker. So let's watch that and see how that unfolds. The guy has been very inconsistent, missing extra points. Points are, of course, going to be at a premium in the AFC title game to represent the Super Bowl. This guy could choke in the biggest of moments and cost the Chiefs a chance at a second straight Super Bowl.
1: No, it's a legitimate point because uh, when it when you get down to the nitty gritty, and we're talking about the Super Bowl, those small little plays, like a missed extra point or a missed field goal, in the in the regular season, you can get away with a lot of that stuff. And the and the Chiefs, of course, did in that uh, Falcons game. Not that it ultimately mattered at the end of the at the end of the game, but still, those kinds of things can be the reason they <laughs> win or lose. And it's a legitimate point. I mean. Uh, very well could be come down to Butker having a 45-yard field goal to either tired or send it overtime, and they just straight up miss it.
2: So, Spencer, the Wiz, he will be on the Chiefs. I will be on the Bills, plus three. Spence, let's move it on over to the NFC. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to Lambeau Field, and it's going to be a very cold one in Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has had the year of years, and this is going to be a classic matchup of two of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play Uh, the position in their lifetime, in the entirety of the NFL. Tom Brady has done it. He's brought the Bucs in his first year, one game away from the Super Bowl. It's really incredible when you think about it. Spence, I know you're a little bit surprised to see Tampa Bay here. I mean, talk about the matchup, Brady, Rogers, and then how this game in particular matches up. I mean, Green Bay got off to a 10-0 lead in week six, and then Tampa Bay went ballistic, scored forty plus points, and ended up blowing out Green Bay. Of course, these teams are much different than they were then. Uh, but there is a little point of reference to go on. This this should be a different matchup. It's in Green Bay, it's gonna be extremely cold. Uh, but this this should be a really good game.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the game of the week. This think about the path that either of these two quarterbacks are gonna have to get uh make to go to the Super Bowl. Now it's a little more impressive for Tom Brady if he ends up actually pulling it off. Uh, you do have because he would have gone through Drew Brees and then Aaron Rodgers. And if he goes through Pat Mahomes too in one off season, that's, that's it. There's no more conversation about who the greatest quarterback of all time is now on the other side of things. If Aaron Rodgers does that, he beats Tom Brady and then Pat Mahomes. He is enters that discussion as the greatest quarterback of all time. Cause we know Aaron Rodgers played under certainly one of the worst, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, coaches in a long time. The fact that he got a super bowl out of McCarthy mm-hmm. is nothing short of an absolute miracle. So This I mean, this is it. Do I think it's going to be an exact blowout like last time? Yeah, probably not. But still, I don't think this is going to be a runaway for the Packers. And I'm just I can't count out Tom Brady. It's so it just seems like the easy choice here is Green Bay. They have shown no weaknesses at all for the most part towards the second half of the season. Now they had a few bad losses. And of course, the Buccaneers was one of them. But once they caught their stride, we never once again question how good or bad they were. I think the Jaguars game may have been the final straw before they locked it down and they got zoned in. Aaron Rodgers seems to be on another wavelength. uh, And then the big question in this game to me is can the Buccaneers – Play consistently defensively. That's been the issue for them all season. They've had spots where they look like they're just this pass rushing monster. And other times, I mean, the floodgates have just opened up on them. That Panthers game that they ended up blowing them out, of course, that was still a very high scoring game. I don't think they want to get into a shootout. Tom Brady, at this point in his career, is just not meant to have one. He wants to rely on that defense. So I think the threshold for them is 25 points. If they can hold Green Bay to 25 points, I have no doubt that they can get to 28. I know Green Bay's defense has been good, but I still think there's a there aren't the greatest defense of all time, nor have they faced anyone too challenging yet in the playoffs. They're going to be tested here uh, on Sunday, and uh, this is a prime candidate, candidate, candidate for the over, in my opinion.
2: Uh, Spence, it's going to be very, very cold in this game. We're talking 20 degrees or less possible snow. I don't think either team is going to be able to drop back and throw it 40, 45, 50 times and expect their team uh, to come out with a convincing victory. I agree with you that I think this game will be close. The line reflects that. It's only 3.5 in Green Bay's favor. We've seen Tampa Bay run the ball pretty successfully this postseason with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. I think they're going to rely on that again, and Leonard Leonard Fournette is built to run in these conditions. This could be a problem for Green Bay in this environment. Their defense, who has been susceptible to get beat in the running game earlier in this year, they've been solid. On Thursday night, in very cold weather, they shut down Derrick Henry. They're going to have to go off that performance and some similar performances and stop the run. I know we talk about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but I honestly, spent do not believe Tom Brady is going to drop back and throw the ball 40, 45 times. They want to have balance. They've shown balance this year in some of their best games. They've had their best running performances. It's going to be important in these conditions to do that. And Leonard Fournette is the type of back that can do that. Will Green Bay's defense be up to that challenge? That's something that's going to be a really key factor of this game because I think Tampa's defense can keep Green Bay in somewhat check. Green Bay also is going to try to run the football really really well, and they've had some success with Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Dillon, Uh, may not be healthy enough to play in this game this game is going to come down to one possession in my opinion spence and it's going to come down to the team that makes the fewest mistakes the fewest penalties and can run the ball more successfully and i think it's possible that tampa bay can do that the way that they're built tom brady is going to only elevate the play of his teammates we've seen that time in and time out how on point will aaron Rodgers be in this game i know that he they can beat some of those secondary players of Tampa Bay, but we've seen the likes of the rookie Antoine Winfield Jr. make key plays. The linebackers make key plays. Will they be able to make key plays on Aaron Rodgers again? Aaron Rodgers uncharacteristically threw two interceptions in the game in Tampa Bay earlier this year. Will he do that again in these conditions? Who will thrive in these conditions? I honestly think Tampa is built in the running game to play a great game here. And that's not an angle a lot of people are talking about with Tampa and Green Bay. This game is going to be another possible classic in this weather, but it's going to come down to who runs the ball better and who protects the ball better, in my opinion. I don't think the quarterbacks necessarily decide this game unless, of course, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers throw multiple picks and the other person does not. Aaron Rodgers, you mentioned, has been on another wavelength this year, Spence. And can he continue that for one more game to get to Tampa to t- take on uh, the AFC representative in the Super Bowl? And if not, and Tom Brady wins, it'll be the first time in NFL history a team will play the Super Bowl on their home field. And that is if Tampa Bay wins this game against Green Bay. The, the closest time aside from this was about five years ago when the Minnesota Vikings, after the Minneapolis Miracle, took on the Philadelphia Eagles. In the NFC Championship game, the Eagles ended up winning that game and winning the Super Bowl. But if the Vikings would have won that game, they would have played the New England Patriots in U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota for the Super Bowl. So Tampa Bay's got a real chance to do that. It would be the first time in history. And we talked before the season, Spence, okay, who was the most important piece of the Patriots dynasty, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, it looks through one season like we have far and away the answer to that question, and that answer looks like it's Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, I guess the real debate was who was Batman and who was Robin, and Belichick uh, carried himself as Batman, but it doesn't look like it right now. I'm not ready to say that's the end-all be-all of the conversation, uh, being that, that just how many issues they had. They didn't have a quarterback, and it's hard – because they didn't know if Tom Brady was going to leave. So they, it's not like they were preparing for him to. And they weren't a team that was going to go after Philip Rivers. It just didn't kind of fit their style. Like they were always going to try to look a little younger. And it ended up that Cam Newton, of course, just ended up kind of being there uh, for the taking. And then all the defensive players said they're not playing. So once we see a fully healthy Patriots, I guess kind of the the baseline or the checkup for this next season will be if they make the playoffs. Cause if they do, I say they're about equal partners. We just know Tom Brady is special. He is a hall of fame quarterback. Very, a few people said he was a system quarterback. Of course, I never bought into that narrative. Uh, the way he just the way like LeBron, that he influences the players around him. It's very special uh, outside of the way he just plays on the football field, the way he can keep himself composed when things are not going well. Uh, he, he's just a special player. So, Right now, yes, the score is 1-0 Tom Brady, uh, but we'll see next year. We'll check back in, and we'll see the progress on that debate.
2: Spence, let's pick the game against the spread. Green Bay, a three-and-a-half point favorite, the over-under 51. Who are you taking in the line, and give us a score.
1: Gosh, this is such a, two really just tough games to call. Again, I'm going to go with the favorites here. Give me a reason why Green Bay, like a real reason. I mean, I know what could happen, but what's probably going to happen? Most likely Green Bay is going to take care of business here. Uh, If noodle arm Brady shows himself just a little bit, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to go for the jugular and he may end up making uh, this Tampa Bay defense look a little silly, especially if he can get it going uh, with his star wide receiver and everything like that. I'm not sure they have anyone key matchup wise. Ultimately, Green Bay ended up giving up in that game that they got blown out. They're not going to be giving up at any point in the in this game because it's such an important you know playoff game to go to the Super Bowl. I will take Green Bay, and I say they win thirty-one to twenty-four.
2: Spence, I thought you were going Tampa Bay with all that talk earlier. You've you it seems like you've changed your tune a bit. I'm going to say Green Bay barely gets the cover and barely goes under 27 23. Packers lands on 50, and Green Bay covers by the hook. And I think it'll be Packers, Bills in the Super Bowl. Spencer The Wiz thinks it's going to be Packers, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a fantastic championship Sunday. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk and recap the championship games. As we're wrapping up, Spence, I want to get your opinion. UFC 257. Okay, Conor McGregor back in action, taking on Dustin Poirier It's a rematch these two fought. Previously, McGregor won the previous belt with a first-round KO. This is a big fight. Conor McGregor, one of the biggest stars in sports and in MMA. Uh, A lot of fans excited to see him back on their television screens. It looked like he announced his retirement earlier in the year, but that didn't last very long. Poirier, McGregor, too, Spence, will you be watching this fight? I know you and your dad are big UFC guys here as of late. Uh, tell me where you'll be watching this fight and how do you expect it to to shape up McGregor Poirier?
1: Well, I'll be watching uh, from home. Uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I take COVID very seriously, so I'm not going out. I would love to. I mean, this is kind of one of the saddest events, I would say, of 2021 so far. I'm not the Capitol Bill. I'm sure that's the saddest. But uh, in terms of just the sports world, something you would love to see, something you would love to go out for. I would love to go to a bar with some of my friends and just watch this fight because I am getting really into it. To be honest with you, I'm not all that much invested in Conor McGregor. I love the storylines that these guys have, like trying to make a name for themselves more than a guy who, you know, just makes headlines. And I get it. He makes a bunch of money. He's actually a really heavy favorite in this matchup, too. I think he could lose. But because people are betting him so much, he's always just going to naturally be a favorite. He's going to put eyes on the screen. This is going to be the most watched UFC event uh, probably the past year, uh, that'll be kind of the Google. What you'll see on the score, what you'll see on ESPN. Uh, but for me, I, I love the the undercards last week. Um, big fan of Joaquin Buckley. He got knocked out. Unfortunately, he's one of the every single fight. It's either he gets knocked out or his opponent does. So I'll, what I'll really be looking for is the the fights leading up to it, seeing what guys maybe have a chance to to step up in their divisions. Prediction-wise, yeah, Conor McGregor is probably going to win, but I think there's more value um, on the money line for the for his opponent because I think anything can happen.
2: Spence, the betting lines here, Poirier is around plus 250, McGregor minus 330. Uh, talk a little bit about, about the betting lines. If people are going to bet out there, uh, which way you would lean or which way you think this may go and, and how many rounds? Two and a half is the prop total, I believe, uh, on the rounds here in this matchup. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do like his opponent, but uh, I'm more confident in the under and two and a half. I think either Conor McGregor is going to come out and just knock him out like last time or he is because I think there's he just he's so polarizing of a character that his fights are always going to be a little elevated above the rest of them. There's always going to be a little more pizzazz. I think a lot of the kind of animosity between fighters is artificial because after you see they end up dapping it up after the fights and stuff like that. There will be no dapping after this one uh, as far as I'm concerned. So that's just kind of how I feel about the fight. I'm excited. I'm going to watch it. So we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, Conor McGregor is going to put on a show and we'll enjoy it. That's kind of my final, you know, that's just kind of how I feel about it.
2: There you have it. Uh, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, UFC 257 uh, will be happening this weekend uh, on pay-per-view. ESPN plus Uh, Spence um, any undercard action on this matchup that you'll be watching at all closely. Any of the female fighters going to have any big matches this coming in this card, anything that you're looking at.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing about uh, women's fighting in UFC, like men's, you know, like there's a full on ranking system and it kind of makes sense. A lot of these guys have a lot of losses under the belt. Some of them had a lot of losses early in the career and they're building their way up, but in women's, like everybody has a 12-1 record, 24 nothing, and they're like ranked 12th. It doesn't really make sense. What they need to do is either condense it or get rid of one of their weight classes and just figure it out from there because I want to get invested in, in these girls, and a lot of them are very skilled fighters. It's very much like the WNBA in that the WNBA is technical as heck, and that's kind of the whole idea behind it. Uh, and it's the same way for UFC. If you like the actual martial arts part of it, not much less the excitement, then it's for you. So I'm going to watch the fights. I'm going to enjoy them. And you may never see that girl ever again for a few cards until, until unless you get to the big, big names in, in UFC women's fighting who seemingly really just never lose. I think that could be just another issue. Or I think they, could, they should either elevate these girls. If they are dominating as much as they are, then come on, let's see it. I, I want to watch greatness, but they don't hype it up nearly enough. I'm never excited to watch them dominate. I just watch them do it.
2: It's going to be UFC 257 this Saturday. McGregor, Poirier, myself, and Spencer the Wiz will be following closely to see how that shapes up. And, of course, NFL Championship Sunday, which teams will represent their conferences in the Super Bowl. It'll be Green Bay, Tampa Bay at Lambeau Field, and it'll be the Buffalo Bills traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. As we're wrapping up the show, Spence, if anybody's missed any part of the show, make sure you check out the podcast version of the show itunes spotify podcast google podcast search landry football conference call the rest stop will be underneath there download the twitch app and make sure you join us live on my facebook page or on twitter at brad the believer uh every show tuesday and thursday nine o'clock pacific time also give us a like um, subscribe to the youtube channel brad the believer we're gonna have some more stuff rolling out in 2020. So I want to thank Spencer the Wiz and for myself, Brad the Believer. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy all your sports this weekend. And have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you back on Tuesday.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they
2: say.